Grace and mercy and peace be with you, my friends in Christ, from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. Amen. If you're uh, joining with us today and you haven't been here in uh, the last three weeks, we are uh, in the fourth and final week of a sermon series entitled People of Hope. And so our goal throughout the sermon series has been uh, to deal with this concept of Christian hope and to move that hope throughout our bodies so that we become people of habitual hope. So just to review where we have come from the very first week, the theme was hope in the head. And that week we were defining what our Christian hope is. And this is our Christian hope. Jesus rose from the dead. And because Jesus rose from the dead, he will come again and he will raise all of us from the dead as well. This is our future hope, the resurrection of the dead. You just confessed it in the Nicene Creed, the very last words. I believe in the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen, amen. This is our hope. This is our future. The second week, we moved that hope from our heads into our hearts. And I encouraged you to lean on your future hope in present-day living so that you can have hope in the midst of life's storms. Last week, the third week, the theme was hands of hope. And I encouraged you and challenged you uh, to not let this hope be something that just lives within us, but something that we bring into the world because there are so many people who are running low on hope in this world and God's called us to live as people of hope with hands of hope in an often hopeless world. Now today we wrap this up by basically saying this. If we live in this progression from head to heart to hands, head, heart, hands, over and over and over again, eventually that will turn into our habit and we will be or become people of habitual hope. People of habitual hope, that's our theme for today. Now we're talking about habits, and so I ask you just to think for a minute, can you think of a habit that you have? I don't know, there's probably a lot. It doesn't have to be a bad habit, some habit that you have. Think about that for a minute. What is it that, that created that habit in you? How did it become a habit? For me, I think my favorite part of my day, any given day, is my very first cup of coffee in the morning. Okay? I get up uh, long before my, my family does, uh, and, and I have my first cup of coffee. That could be maybe a habit in itself, but my favorite part, what makes that even more enjoyable, is that the night before, I pre-make the coffee. So I grind the coffee, I get it ready, and I even go so far as to schedule the timer of my coffee so that it starts brewing when my alarm clock goes, and then I get an eight-minute snooze on my alarm, and so when I wake up, the coffee is just finally going, go, 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 it's finished. Perfect timing. Now maybe you think I'm a little uh, anal retentive, but hey, you do it enough, and it becomes a habit. I hardly even think about it, it just happens. What about you? right? Some, some bad habits, some good habits. The American Journal of Psychology defines a habit as this, a more or less fixed way of thinking, willing, or feeling acquired through previous repetition of a mental experience. So what exactly does that mean? How, how are habits formed? It says that habits are formed through repetition, right? Habits are formed through repetition. Habits are formed through repetition. Over and over and over, on repeat, on repeat, 
on repeat. And, and I've said today that our goal as Christian people should be to, to be people of habitual hope. And so, therefore, the question is, what is the repetition that we need to do in order to be or become people of habitual hope? And it is what we've been talking about the last three weeks. So, let me put it on repeat for you. Here's what we've talked about in these last three weeks. Here's the progression. First, your head. To know that Jesus is who he says he is. To believe that Jesus really, really, in history, rose from the dead. And Jesus really will, in history, come again and raise us all from the dead. To know it. To study it. To believe it. But then also to move it into our hearts and experience it. To put hope into practice. When tragedies and difficulties arise, to find peace and contentment. Knowing that your eternity is already in the hands of your Creator. You, you have, as the book of Hebrews says, a sure and certain, a firm and secure anchor of hope for your souls for all of eternity. This is true. And then we put it into practice even further. Finally, you know, if you live in that hope and you experience that hope, you will want others to experience that hope as well. You know all too well that there are many people in this world who are running low on hope. There are people who are grasping at straws, trying to find hope. You Christian people have hope, and it is your call, your command of Jesus Christ to live a life of hope with hands of hope for an often hopeless world. Put this cycle on repeat, on repeat, on repeat in daily living, and I believe we will become people of habitual hope. The Old Testament lesson today we read from the book of Deuteronomy. That's way at the beginning of your Bible. Uh, but what we hear in Deuteronomy chapter 6 today is that early on in the history of uh, the, the Israelites, the history of God's chosen people, he had a desire for them and their lives to be conformed uh, by God's word, to be transformed by his word, and to, to always live according to his word. Let me read this for you again. It's, it's relatively short. It's up on the screen. Here's Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign of your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What's going on here? Let me set the context for you just a little bit. God's people at this time in history, they have uh, been released from slavery in Egypt, and they are on their way to the promised land in what's now modern-day Israel. But on their way, there's this wilderness area that still exists called the Sinai Peninsula, this desert. And so for 40 years, they, were, they, they spent time in the wilderness. And God led them into the wilderness, and God led them around the wilderness. And the time in the wilderness was a time of uh, a trials and of testing, teaching God's people to fully rely on him for absolutely everything. And they had to. They didn't know which way to go, for one. 
but also they didn't, they didn't have access to water, but God provided it miraculously. They didn't have access to food, yet God provided it miraculously. Their whole lives were dependent on God. And just in the chapter prior, if you were to go home and read Deuteronomy chapter 5, that is where Moses teaches the Ten Commandments to God's people as God had given it to him. So in chapter 5, he gives the Ten Commandments. Here in chapter 6, uh, all of that law is basically summarized here in these words, right? Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? But then it goes so far as to say this, right? Let everything that you think and everything that you believe and everything that you do in your head and in your heart and in your hands be led by the word of God. And here's why God was doing this. He was conforming them into his word and his way so that when they get to the promised land, they will have the habit. They will have the habit of belonging to God and relying on him so that when they face all the difficulties that they will, and if you've read the Bible, you know they face many difficulties in the promised land. When they get there, it'll be harder to break that habit because it becomes a habit for them. If that makes sense. So, what is God saying to us in these words? God is also speaking to us here, and he's saying essentially this. Every moment of your life, I want to be conformed by my word. I want you to be transformed in my likeness. I want you to think about what I'm saying. So then I ask you today, how do these words play out in your life? Is it habitual for you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might? On a daily basis, is that your habit? If it is, how is that expressed? Do you diligently teach this to your children? Do you talk about God's word when you get up, when you lie down, when you're moving? Are you thinking on these uh, heavenly things? Are you thinking on godly things? Uh, is it written on your hands? What reminders exist in your daily life that, that you belong to God, that you are dearly loved? What reminders do you have? Do you, do you write it somewhere in your house, on, on the doorpost, so that on the way out into the world, you, you go into the world knowing whose you are and who you are? Is it, is it written on the, on the other side of your house so when you come back to that place of shelter after a long day, you, you come being reminded that you belong, that you are loved? Is your whole life transformed and conformed by God's word? If it's not, I encourage you to heed these words from the scripture today. Now, why is this important? Here's, here's why I think this is, is, is important. I believe it's incredibly important for Christian people to be people of habitual hope. First, yes, for ourselves. So that as we experience the trials and tribulations of this life, it is so easy for us to lose heart. Yes, we know Jesus is coming again, but we don't know when. If that's not hard for you, you're a liar, <laughs> right? That's hard for me, I'm impatient. But it's true, it is so true. So when we face these storms of life, we have this sure and certain hope. It's important for us to be people of habitual hope. However, I also believe that this world needs people of habitual hope to live in it and to be the source and to be the agent of hope in a hurting world. When I observe this world, when I live in this world, and when I participate in this world, 
I see so many people grasping at straws, trying to, to find and manufacture hope for themselves. I, I, it saddens me that this world is so divided. It saddens me that this world is so lost and so truly lost in many respects. You know, it grieves me. It hurts me to the core to know that there are people in this world who live with racial prejudices. I, I don't understand that. It grieves me to see that those things lead to absolute real hurt and conflict and division. It grieves me to see people divided on lines of politics for no other reason than politics. It grieves me, it hurts me to the core to see the division that exists in this world. It hurts to see that there is warfare and conflict that abounds in this world. And we only hear about parts of it. I grieve for those in poverty and I grieve for those in extreme wealth and prosperity as well. Sometimes I feel like a person sitting in the middle of a bunch of divisions. There's this picture on the screen that, that looks like a person sitting in the midst of a, a pizza or something, whatever, a pie, right? Sometimes I feel like somebody that is sitting there in the middle of this world of division being torn this way and torn this way and torn this way. And oftentimes it can feel like chaos is reigning and not sure where to go, not sure how to help. Not sure where to start. You can see this image in two different ways. One, you can see it like I just explained. A person in the midst of a world divided, being torn apart themselves. Or, my preference would be to see it as a person of habitual hope, living in a divided world, but being the one who is bringing people to that true source of hope in Jesus and dispersing it into the world. So, then, how do we do that? How do we live as people of habitual hope in this world that often knows no hope? We do it in this daily rhythm and daily ritual of having this hope in our heads and in our hearts and in our hands in order that it becomes our habit, habitual hope. So one more time, on repeat, I tell you this. You can know full well, trusting absolutely that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the almighty God who has come into this world to rescue and redeem sinful people. Jesus died an innocent man. He rose to new life. He ascended into heaven, and he will come again for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. And while we wait... While we wait for that full consummation of hope to be brought to us in this day, today, you have the forgiveness of your sins. You have the daily provisions that you need. You have the love of Jesus Christ that flows freely into your life. You have peace and joy in daily living, all because we know that Jesus rose and he's coming again. We know it. And then in our hearts, we live it. As I talk about grieving the effects of sin in this world, the, the way it divides, the way it breaks apart people, the way it breaks apart people's bodies, as we grieve, we can grieve, as the Apostle Paul says, in hope. 
That doesn't make sense, but we can. We can grieve in hope because our future is true. Absolutely true. So we grieve the effects of sin in this world in hope. And then we go into the hope as people of hope to bring hope into an often hopeless world. We're compelled by the power of the Spirit and the reality of the resurrection of Jesus and his reign over all things. We're compelled by him to be agents of hope in this world. And when we bring the hope of Jesus into this world, we don't bring hope as just a band-aid to cover over division and injustice. We bring the hope of Jesus as the true source of hope, the real hope, the everlasting anchor of hope for us, and it is Jesus. And when this happens on repeat, on repeat, on repeat, on a daily basis, from head to heart to hands, we become people of habitual hope, never forgetting who we are, and whose we are now and forever. It has been my prayer, my hope, if you will, in this fall kickoff sermon series. It's been my prayer that we would hear of this sure and certain hope in Jesus, and that it would transform our lives, that we would desire to live in hope and be agents of hope in this world. That has been my prayer for you, and I pray that it becomes a reality in life, and that we become these people of habitual hope. So this wraps up this sermon series that's called People of Hope. And so, so what's next? Let me just give you a preview of what we're doing next. Starting, starting next week, we're going we're gonna to open up this uh, topic of generosity. Uh, just recently, in the last couple of months, uh, the Barna Group, which is a, a Christian researching firm, was commissioned by Thrivent Financial, of which many of you are familiar. Thrivent asked Barna to do a research study on generosity. Uh, and so this gets into uh, lots of different lots of different questions. Like, is it, is generosity an important characteristic for Christian people to have? And if you believe it is, then then how do you express generosity? Because you could ask Christian A and Christian B, do you believe it's important to be generous? They would say yes. But one might say, I'm generous by giving money. I'm generous by being hospitable to other people. And so, what do we mean by this generosity thing? So we're going we're to do three weeks on this, and it'll be these three topics. Our attitudes about generosity, our motivations to be generous, and our actions for living in generosity. Some of that will come from this uh, Barna research, uh, but it'll obviously uh, be based on the Holy Scriptures as well. So I pray you come back as we dig into this and learn how to be generous people living as people of hope. So go in the peace and love of Jesus Christ. Go and be people of habitual hope. In the name of Jesus, amen.